Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello there. I'm Matt Williamson. You know who you are. And we are going to chat about the NFL on the Locked On NFL podcast. It's been uh, about a week and a half now. This is, what, our 10th? Uh, it'll be our 12th episode. It's going really well. And I, and I urge you to go check out the entire Locked On Networks. You know, the um, David Locke is building a podcasting empire uh, with a locked on uh, podcast daily for every team out there just about now, as well as locked on fantasy with, with Vinny Iyer. Uh, I, che- I urge you to check all those things out, but I'm Matt Williamson. I'm at Williamson NFL. Drop me a line if you have any questions or concerns or any feedback on the podcast or just want to ask me an NFL question in general. Um, please go to iTunes, check that all out too, leave us some reviews, uh, love to hear from you, but we need to, uh, talk football here, you know, on Locked On NFL, and in the front four, and we do a front four every day, four big topics, there's one issue that kind of stands out, and it just happened pretty recently, and that's Doriel Green Beckham getting traded to the Eagles for Dennis Kelly, you know, that, you know, Green Beckham's a household name. I mean, Dennis Kelly's a backup offensive lineman. He's a guard-tackle type guy. Um, you know, he has value. I mean, he's an NFL player. You know, depth on the offensive line is very important. We've talked about the shortage. You know, he's not really starting caliber player, but he could get you out of a game or, you know, he's going to be active on game day. The Titans have put a lot of resources into their offensive line. But I think this is more an indictment on Green Beckham than anything. It is you got to think, he was a second-round pick last year. Is not making a lot of money. Is not you know up for a contract. It's not a contractual thing at all. It's not a money issue. He's a bargain. He's a huge human being for the wide receiver position. 6'4", 6'5", thick, 230, big, strong prototype sort of a Calvin Johnson type of body which is obviously very very rare for the position he was from what I understand the top recruit in the country whenever he came out of high school you can see why you know everyone in the world wanted him super talented Um, and he had a lot of troubles at the college level was in two different schools it is a first round talent that's Tennessee took in the early second, you know, the same year they took Mariota, figuring that these two would grow together and give Mariota a young target to throw to for years and years to come, and what could go wrong? Well, you know, his off-the-field issues seemed to be a problem. You know, there was a lot of talk during his rookie season that he didn't even know where to line up. You know, he didn't even play his, his final year, you know, his draft-eligible year. He didn't even play at the college level. So a lot of people just sort of looked at it like, ah, he's rusty, you know, he'll, he'll get it, you know, maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe he's not a quick learner, but you would think on you know, a bad Titans team that earned the first pick overall this year, he would have gotten on the field more as a rookie than, you know, let's at least see what we have in this guy. 
Well, apparently they've seen enough, and his work ethic has been in question from day one. Um, apparently they're done with him, and there's been a lot of reports out of camp that they're fed up with his work ethic situation, or lack thereof, obviously. And so they shipped him out, and they shipped him out for a backup offensive lineman. And Tajay Sharp had been running ahead of him on the depth chart, which, you know, all, all respect to Sharp. He's a fine young player and wish him all the best, but not nearly the talent Green Beckham is. And they recently signed Andre Johnson, which I remember, you know, whenever we were you, you and I were chatting about this, uh, I thought, wow, there's, you know, you, you sign Andre Johnson to a two-year deal, there really isn't room on this roster for him. You know, how many wide receivers are you going to keep? They, they, they've gone out and got a lot of guys to surround Mariota with. And so Green Beckham is gone. And, and I guess it goes to a statement to the rest of the team, you know, that that's not going to be tolerated. That's not what we do here. You look at the Eagles, though, this is a heck of a good risk. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're their offensive line, I assume they feel like they could lose Kelly. I mean, Kelly certainly doesn't have Green Beckham's upside. They're better off at offensive line, and even with Lane Johnson's suspension looming, certainly than they are at wide receiver, where Jordan Matthews, to me, is not a number one. To me, he's a big slot-type guy, ideally a number two receiver. Um, and he's also fighting an issue, a knee issue as we speak. I thought the Reuben Randall signing was, you know, really reaching, and all reports have been less than positive about Randall uh, in Philadelphia. And Aguilar, I didn't love him coming out of USC, and I think it's too early to write him off. I mean, I don't know that he's a first-round talent all day long. He's he's a, a leaner guy, and, you know, with his body type, I wish he was a split-second quicker or a split-second faster you know, he's not real physical. He can get bumped around, and I don't know that those things will change. Um, reports haven't been wonderful on him either, but I don't. I think it's too early to, to discount Aguilar. So if by chance Green Beckham, you know, goes to this team, the young, you know, pretty young offense really, new head coach, and can get a fire lit under him or fulfill his vast promise, then the Eagles win big. So I think it's a risk worth taking for the Eagles, considering where they stand right now, you know, maybe he develops into Wentz's uh, <laughs> whoopee for the next 10 years, like the Titans had hoped with Mariota. But the, the, they obviously have had enough. Yeah. So uh, enough said, but that, that is a shocking development to me. A semi-shocking development is, you know, the second part of our front four here is, the, and I wanted to get this yesterday. We just kind of ran out of time and we're doing a bunch of other things, talking about games. The Bills extend Tyrod Taylor, and it, I, I want to be sure that the language, I'm correct on this language, but from what I understand, on the surface, and this doesn't really mean anything, that it's a six-year, $92 million contract with a $27.5 million option for 2017. So I'm just reading this, and I have read it several times. Don't get me wrong, I'm not reading it for the first time. But Taylor will make $9.5 million this season. And that's the only guaranteed portion of this entire deal. You know, So he signs a six-year deal, and only 9.5 of it is guaranteed. And at that price, that's a good price for me. I mean, that's a great price for an up-and-coming starting quarterback that showed you more than enough that you don't want to get rid of him the other options on your team aren't real strong. You're paying them 9.5 for this year. Great. You know, that part of it's wonderful. But then 
if Taylor plays well enough to convince the Bills that he's worthy of the long-term commitment that they signed, which isn't a done deal. I mean, this, they can get out of it. Then he makes $27.5 million, <laughs> $12 million in salary, plus $15.5 million bonus next year for the 2017 year. If you remember, the Bills were very cap, you know, cash strapped in, in in their pursuit of free agents and whatnot. This uh, this past off season, I don't know how that gets any better, especially if you're paying your quarterback twenty seven and a half million for Tyrod Taylor in two thousand seventeen. So how well, <laughs> and if they do go for that, you know, if if that if they make that decision and they decide to give him that bonus, that fifteen point five bonus, and pay him the twelve million. Then the rest of the six-year, nine-point million kicks in. So, you know, right now they get the bargain for the year. Then it's big-time decision time. So, you know, Taylor's betting on himself. You hear that term a lot. Uh, and good for him. You know, he's making 9.5 this year. That's a bargain for the Bills, but I'm sure he's not complaining. About, and his family isn't complaining about that right now either. That's not bad change. And then if he plays really well, he's going to make 27.5 next year which is a crazy number to pay Tyrod Taylor. I don't think he's going to turn into Cam Newton or Aaron Rodgers by that time at the end of this year. Um, but then after that, you get him at a pretty reasonable deal for that six years. So this is interesting, you know, but wow. I mean, he's going to cost $27.5 million next year. Uh, he better play pretty well for Buffalo to say, okay, we're going to get you. You know, we're going to, we're going to do it. But this is a really interesting deal. Um, if he doesn't play, you know, if he doesn't play well, the Bills will cut him and he becomes a free agent again and might make more than 9.5 on the open market if he plays, you know, like a below average starter even. You know, I mean, you know what quarterbacks make nowadays. So uh, I guess this is a it makes a lot of sense for both teams with the asterisks of, boy, paying him $27.5 million next year would really sting. Um, a couple other quick notes from the Bills while we're here uh, on, on the – you know, this front four. Um, I.K. Impale, the outside linebacker, best known for punching out Geno Smith and, and shattering his jaw. Uh, he tore his ACL in his right knee. He's out for the year. I think he's out for the year, at least the, the majority of it. He's got to be out for the year. And not that he's a great player. And in, in a typical Rex Ryan fashion, he picks up Impale after... Uh, he beats up his teammate or punches out Geno Smith and gets to play against him now twice a week, year. And obviously Rex Ryan was with the Jets as well. Um, but it's not like he's a bad football player. He's an edge rusher type. And I mention it more for football reasons than all the drama and nonsense we were just talking about because this was a terrible pass rushing team last year. First round pick Lawson is already out. Mario Williams is in Miami. I really like Jerry Hughes and he played a ton of snaps last year. Um, and he's a really good player, but that's not enough. You know, their pass rush, I don't know where it comes from. They did sign Croy Beerman, you know, whenever they put uh, Impale on injured reserve. The Beerman is still out there, apparently. I didn't realize he was not with a team. Um, if he's at his best when, you know, we saw him in Atlanta, I think he's a fine third rotational guy. But I don't think, you know, there must be some reason that he has not been signed. I don't think everyone's been pounding down his doors and he's just been waiting for the perfect opportunity. Uh, my hunch is he's a noticeably lesser player now than he was in his prime. And his prime really wasn't all that great. All right, we're halfway through the front four. 
and these next two bullet points I want to talk about uh, are games. We talked about four of them yesterday. I watched the Giants in Miami last night. Uh, there was a lot to take away from this game. And I just have a bunch of notes in front of me. I'm just going to start spitting them out like you and I are just chatting around the water cooler. You know, hey, what did you see in the game last night? Uh, Eli didn't start. Ryan Nassib did. And entering his contract year this year, um, you remember he came into the league with some fanfare that, you know, are the is his, quarter, is his coach from Syracuse going to take him in the first round with the Bills while he fell to the fourth. He was terrible in this game. He really was. You know, his accuracy was poor, turned the ball over a ton, didn't value the football, threw into, you know, coverage a lot that he shouldn't have, bad decisions. He really played badly, you know. So that's just a note. To, let's see how he plays the rest of the season. And we know Eli, knock on wood, never misses time. He's got this streak going, and, you know, he's an Ironman but, boy, this is concerning. And I would think the Giants will be in the market for a backup next year. Even if they do bring him back, it might be smart to draft somebody, you know, in second, third round, something along that point, those lines. Um, a lot of turnovers and a lot of penalties in this game. And, and it wasn't a bad game to watch. You know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is brutal. Um, but you also got to think, too, this is Ben McAdoo's first year as the Giants head coach. This is Adam Gase's first year as Miami's head coach. Uh, two new head coaches. Is that why things were a little sloppier in this game than the average week one preseason game? I don't know. Um, but I think that <laughs> that reason is as good as any. I'm at, okay. You know, I mean, new, new head coaches, they got a lot on their plate. They're trying to work this thing out. This is their first game, too. Um Let's just talk about some guys that stood out, though. Um, uh, for the Giants' offense, running backs looked decent. You know, Rashad Jennings didn't play a ton. I think I told you I helped recruit him to Pitt way back when, and then he transferred to Liberty. Uh, but Andre Williams has been a whipping boy of mine. I, I am not a fan. He, I think he's a heavy-footed guy that gets what's blocked, and that's about it at best. I'm going to give him credit. I, I think he looks the best he has in an NFL uniform. Uh, he looks a little lighter, a little quicker. So that's encouraging. They have a lot of backs in New York. Um, he looks like he's on path to make the team and, and maybe be, you know, make an impact. Who knows? But all I got to say is he's better now than when I saw him last. He, he looks the best that uh, I've seen him play. Um, Sterling Shepard. And yesterday, if you, if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, please go down to check it out. We had a lot of talk about eight teams, four games, a lot of rookie talk. And I just wrote an article for The Score saying, you know, boy, some impact rookies that really showed up this week. And that trend is going in this game, too, in that Sterling Shepard, I think Sterling Shepard's going to be a heck of a player. And watching him at the NFL level now, I feel even more uh, confident about that. He's looks a little thicker to me than what I remember. You know, I mean, he's not a little tiny skinny guy. You know, he's not like an Aguilar that I mentioned. I mean, he's a pretty physical player, even though he's not big. You know, he, he had a nice downfield block to, to spring Vereen in this game. Uh, he's considered a very good blocker, a very willing blocker. That's rare for a wide receiver, but that's not what you look for in your wide receivers, obviously. I thought he was the best route runner in this class. Very good hands, very NFL-ready if there is such a thing. 
Um, made a really nice sliding catch on a poorly thrown ball. Again, going back to Ryan Nassib. Um, he did leave a little early in this game with a groin injury, um, but it was a very impressive showing. By all accounts, he's going to be okay. Maybe they sit him this week. I don't know. Um, but that's, you know, something to keep an eye on. And then the guy that was drafted ahead of him, Eli Apple, he also left this game. He had a lower leg injury. Um, apparently, he's going to be okay. It's nothing super serious. I don't know how much that will keep him out. Um, but he, they drafted him, and with Cromartie and Jenkins, I kind of looked at it and said, boy, they got three long man cover corners, but none of them's a slot. You know, none of them's that shifty, smaller, cover Wes Welker type. And I don't know if Apple is that player, but they moved him all over the place. He played some slot. He played on the outside. He actually was a gunner on the punt team I sh- they showed. He was also... You know, the uh, a guy that jams up gunners went on, on punt return team. So they had him out there quite a bit before this leg injury, and he fared pretty well. So uh, that that's, you know, something to keep an eye on. It looks like the first two picks for the Giants so far so good. That's certainly great. Uh, the third-round pick from last year, too, Diggy Zuwa, the defensive end I really liked coming out of UCLA. Strong, thick guy. Uh, has some explosion to him. He had two sacks, you know, later in the game, played really, really well. Um, Pierre Paul uh, is signed to a one-year deal. It's the first time I've seen his hand, by the way. They showed his hand, him, you know, on a, on a bench and, you know, just what it looks like now. And clearly it's an impediment to say the least, but I guess he's getting used to it. Um, but he signed a one-year deal. What if he doesn't come back? Odigi Zua would probably fall right in opposite Olivier Vernon. Uh, Olivier Vernon was a beast in this game, just abusing his old team, the Dolphins. You know, he didn't play a ton either, of course. He's a big money guy. But, you know, that, that was impressive. This three-man defensive end rotation for the Giants might kind of, you know, bring back Strahan-type memories. You know, that, that this is uh, a, what they're after. You know, they obviously want to pressure the quarterback with, with four, play a lot of man coverage over the top. Um, looks like that's, you know, a, a very good possibility. Um, Matt Moore threw a really bad interception to Casillas, the linebacker. Um, the two giant safeties, you know, they're very young. Uh, Thompson it was, what, a fourth-round pick this year? And Collins was the first pick in the second round last year. Much different players. Thompson's going to be the true free. Collins is going to be the strong. But they didn't screw up, you know. I mean, that's what kind of what I was looking at. I was like, they got two young safeties out here. They didn't screw up. You know, they kept everything in front of them. It sounds like Thompson is quarterbacking the defense and doing a very good job from a mental perspective. So all, there's a lot of good things coming out of the Giants situation. Uh, not as nearly as much to report from the Dolphins. wasn't a real crisp game from them either. You know, no Sue, no Wake, no Mario Williams. Uh, another rookie that really stood out, though, for Miami uh, was Jakeem Grant. You know, and I didn't know a lot about him before this game. He's a very good returner, showed up in that area. Smaller, tiny, super quick jitterbug type of guy. Excellent after the catch. Yet another impressive rookie. Had a really good game. And this is a deep wide receiver core. But I would think he's going to find a way. He's unlike the rest of them. You know, everyone else in the receiving core is not that type of player. I would imagine he's got a chance to be their top returner. Um, Landry can do it too, but uh, that was encouraging. You know, that's something to take away from here. Again, these are two teams with new head coaches, works in progress. We'll see. Uh, I have high hopes for the Miami offense overall. Um, yes, the, the game that I watched last night didn't really 
enforce that, but so be it. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's week one. Things will change quite a bit around here. Okay, the last game we need to talk about is Vikings-Bengals. And I'm sure a lot of you guys realize this, but there's a lot of similarities between these teams before we actually get into what happened on the field. I mean, for those of you who don't know this, I mean, the Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer, is from the Marvin Lewis uh, tree directly. He was our defense coordinator, got hired with the Vikings, doing a tremendous job. And Paul Gunther, the Bengals' um, assistant, now defensive coordinator, got bumped up when Zimmer left. So these defenses have a lot of similarities to them. You know, that, um, first of all, the team in general have some similarities to them in that their quarterbacks aren't superstars. You know, they're, quote, sort of game managers, and they've done a pretty good job of going out of their way to surround those guys uh, with you know, a lot of talent at the receiver positions and certainly investing around their quarterbacks in Minnesota and Cincinnati. Um, but a staple of these two defenses are A-gap pressures, and that's something you will see a lot. You see them around the league, but you'll see it a ton from the Vikings and Bengals this year where usually you'll see linebackers peppering the A-gaps before the snap. And by that, I mean each side of the center. The gap between the center and the guard is an A-gap. The, from guard to tackle is a B-gap to the outside shoulder of the tackle is a C-gap. So these guys will pepper the A-gap with double pressures, like with two linebackers looking like they're going to attack both sides of the center. And whether they come or not, and they come a lot, although the Bengals blitzed less than any team in the league last year, you know, that they were able to generate pretty good pressure with Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap and company, a lot of too high safety looks from them. Um, so they don't blitz a ton, but they do show blitz quite a bit. And these A-gap pressures, the, the beauty of them is when you adjust your scheme because you think two guys are going to be attacking the quarterback from a very short distance. Obviously, it's fewer steps for a guy to attack through the A-gap than it is you know, around the edge, you know, beating a, a big six-foot-six tackle. But you immediately have to change your protections for that and then what it does is it often leaves your edge players, uh, your defensive ends in the 4-3 in this case, with a lot of one-on-ones against tackles. It's harder to help those guys because, you know, you kind of shrink your protection in and you leave those outside pass protectors on an edge a lot. So even if they don't blitz, if they don't come, you can't adjust that on the fly. I mean, you're still calling X protection. It's like calling a play call. So that's something you'll see a lot from both these two. Um, speaking of Bridgewater and Dalton, I, I thought both played very well. You know, I, I thought they did a good job. Um, neither are my favorites. You'll find that out. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you already know that. Um, neither have a great arm. Neither are physically overwhelming. Again, I think they both need a lot around them. I think their teams know this. Uh, I'm not totally sold that Bridgewater is or, or that Dalton has turned the corner. Uh, we'll see how he is this year. They're both NFL quarterbacks, don't get me wrong, but they are not super high on my list. Uh, I thought Teddy bought time with his feet very well. They're in the middle of rebuilding this offensive line, and that group struggled against a good defensive front. Uh, we'll see how the Vikings' offensive line turns out. But they're getting a lot of guys back from uh, injury. Uh, they signed Boone. They lost Lodeholt. Uh, they have some younger guys, too. 
but they have been very proactive in attacking their offensive line. We'll see how it plays out. I think it almost has to be better. It looks a lot better on paper. It certainly has a lot of options there. Uh, and, and another thing they did in the offseason, their, their other big area of concern was wide receiver. And they went out and used a first-round pick on Laquan Treadwell, who's a big physical guy. He's the Michael Irvin X receiver in this uh, North Turner offense. Very Bridgewater-friendly, red zone, blocker for Adrian Peterson, competitive. Uh, he's not starting right now. Charles Johnson, you know, don't sleep on him. He caught a long touchdown. Remember him? You know, I mean, those are, you don't remember him. Mean, he was the big phenom, you know, fantasy name one year ago. He's big and he's fast, and I think he played injured a lot last year. So if they have Johnson, Diggs, and Treadwell, all of a sudden their wide receivers could be a plus as opposed to a minus. Same is true with their offensive line. If they could fix those two problems, that would really go a long way for Bridgewater. He was under a lot of pressure last year. Um, that's a long conversation, the whole Bridgewater-Vikings mesh. And I just wrote an article about that. I urge you guys to check my Twitter timeline to really check it out. Uh, I certainly have some concerns, to say the least, about that situation, uh, the whole marriage there. But, you know, it, it can still work. I mean, the, 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 both these teams... To me, look like contenders for the playoffs, but not the Super Bowl. You know, I think the Bengals are a good team that probably takes a slight step back. I think the Vikings are a good team that takes a slight step forward. But I don't think either one of these teams are on par with the Patriots and Steelers and the AFC, the Panthers, Seahawks, Cardinals, Packers, and the NFC, but they're right behind them. Um, a couple other notes here. Boy, Cincinnati moved the ball with ease in the, the first drive. You know, they and that was with Dalton. It was very sharp. Uh, they end up missing the field goal, so they didn't have any points to show for it, but just marched right down the field. And then McCarron comes in, and he led a very long drive. I want to say it was like a 15 or 16 play drive right down the field, and they were on the third. You know, they were on the three yard line going into the end zone. And on a fourth and short play, and they got stuffed. So two really nice drives, you know, a missed field goal and, you know, not going for it on, or not getting it on fourth down. They utterly destroyed the Vikings in the first quarter. The Bengals offense just marched up and down the field, but didn't score a point because of it. So, you know, <laughs> and, and then Minnesota answers back with, it looked like a blown coverage, but a Charles Johnson with like a 49 yard touchdown. Um, so this game can be weird. You, you got to capitalize, but it's preseason. I was more uh, the, my takeaway wasn't that they didn't score any points on these two great drives, but it was rather they had two great drives. You know, the, and the Vikings were not very resistant on defense. Uh, the last guy to mention here, uh, Pit Boy. Uh, you got to love the Pit guys. Uh, Tyler Boyd. He made a great catch um, down the sideline late in the fa first half. It was a well thrown ball, I thought, by McCarron. Uh, Boyd contorted his body real well and brought that in. Um, he needs to be a force this year. That might be asking a lot, but they really need another receiver. We'll see. You know, uh, I'm rooting for him, and he certainly has some qualities you look for. Uh, I don't think he's a great athlete. Uh, the last note from this game, Jeremy Hill, not the biggest fan of him to begin with, but he's a quality back. I think Bernard's the better player, but he hurt his hand in this one and left the game. I haven't heard anything to the contrary of him, you know, that it's not that big of a deal, you know, at least for me and you. 
I always love that with injuries. Like, ah, it's not a big deal. You know, you know, last year, Michael Floyd's bones were coming out of his hands. And, ah, he'll be back in a couple weeks. You know, it's not that big a deal. But to me and you, uh, I don't think he's going to miss a lot of time. And so that's that's a wrap, my man. You know, we, we did, well, we did four downs, talked about two good games, got a lot out of those two games, talked about the Tyrod Taylor situation, and the big trade. You know, that, that that's a big trade to me. You know, Green Beckham for Dennis Kelly. Talk about, you know, giving up on a guy or just wanting him out of the building. So there we have it. That This is the Tuesday Locked On NFL Podcast. Of course, you and I will be talking tomorrow. And in the meantime, I urge you to check out your favorite team or your least favorite team or the teams in your division, uh, the Locked On Podcast for those. And, and we'll, again, they're, they're going to be churning them out every day just like me. Take care. Talk soon. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17